The reading this morning is taken from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today is a moment of change. It is a day of significant transition in the life of this gathered people of God. Today, the church moves from one way of being to another, from one mode of existence to another. And I'm speaking, of course, not just about the fact that today is the beginning of our new weekly hybrid worship services, where we have 20 devices at the moment logged on from people at home. So taking into account couples, something like 30 more people swelling the congregation in addition to those sat in the balcony and those sat in socially distanced ways in our pews. I'm not just talking about the fact that for the first time in a year, we're restarting weekly worship in Shaftesbury Avenue. 
I am, of course, talking about the fact that today is Pentecost Sunday. When that day, when everything changed for the early Christians in Jerusalem, and after which nothing was ever the same again. That first Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, was the day when the spirit of Jesus came upon the disciples in a powerful way, as we just heard in our Bible reading, leading them to speak of the experience as being like a rushing wind, like a burning fire, as they sought to explain the intensity of their Pentecostal experience of the Spirit of God. It seems the descent of the Spirit upon these early disciples in some way transformed their uh, experience of the world irrevocably. Suddenly the barriers which had always divided people one from another, barriers of ethnicity, language, gender, class, economic circumstance and age, all of these and more were broken down and rendered obsolete as the spirit of Jesus was experienced by all people equally and without distinction. Those gathered there in Jerusalem from many nations and cultures and languages suddenly found themselves able to hear and understand each in their own language the truth of the mighty deeds of God's power as they had been revealed through the life and person of Jesus Christ. And so suddenly by the gift of the Spirit a new community was created. A community where the gift of mutual relationship and understanding was given by the Spirit. A community where Babel's curse of a divided humanity was at last reversed. The events of Pentecost have sometimes been called the birthday of the church, and this can be a useful way to think of it, particularly as we rebirth our church today. It was the coming of the Spirit on the followers of Jesus that caused this new community to be born, a community quite unlike any which had preceded it. And this is a community that continues down to us here today in Shaftesbury Avenue and online at home. We are the heirs of this community. We are this spirit-filled, spirit-called community. You see, the spirit of Jesus broke down far more than just the language barrier that everyone remembers as the spectacular miracle of Pentecost. When Peter, one of the twelve, came to give his sermon to explain to those watching on the significance of what they'd just seen, he went back to the Old Testament and turned to a prophecy by Joel. In the last days, Peter said, quoting Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even upon my slaves, both men and women. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. It's not just nationality and language-based divisions that were broken down here. The spirit had been poured out equally on male and female, on young and old, on slave and slave owner. All of the traditional divisions of gender, age, class and ethnicity were transcended 
in the Pentecostal gift of the Spirit. And this had some profound implications for the ongoing life of the church, which was born that first Pentecost. And it also has some profound implications for us and the community that we are called to be part of today. Because to this day, Christians hold that all those who receive Jesus also receive the gift of the Spirit of Christ. All those who are baptised are baptised with both water and spirit. And all those who confess that Jesus is Lord do so by the Spirit of Jesus, the Lord of creation. And this gift of the Spirit of Christ is given to all Christians without distinction. It unites us with one another across barriers of geography and language and anything else that might divide us as it unites us with Jesus Christ himself. Through the Spirit, we are each able to participate in the ongoing life and ministry of Jesus. And through the Spirit of peace, we are each joined to our sisters and brothers in Christ with no division or distinction. So that together, together, we make up the church, the body of Christ in our generation. Not everyone in our congregation today can see each other. Some are online, some are in other countries, some are up there in the gallery. Some of us are down here in the lower level of the sanctuary. But as a congregation, we embody diversity. We've got different ages, we've got different skin colours, different social circumstances, different genders, different languages, different sexualities. What variety? I can't think of anywhere else that a group like this would gather apart from having been called together by the Spirit of Christ. The gift of the Spirit breaks down the barriers that would otherwise separate us, joining us to one another in Christ. And so by the Spirit, the Church of Christ is continually recreated as believers are born again and again from above. Just as the church was brought into being that first Pentecost nearly 2,000 years ago, so the church is recreated today and every day. And as the Spirit-filled followers of Christ, as the Spirit-filled church of Christ, it is together that we participate in the ongoing life and ministry of Jesus. Peter quoted the prophet Joel, as we have heard, taking uh, an ancient prophecy and applying it to the church in his day. And I believe that as a community called together by the Spirit, we too have a prophetic role together, speaking prophetically to the world beyond our own community. You may have noticed this, but the world is so often set on dividing people one from another. I am profoundly concerned by the narratives of division that have taken root in Europe over the last few years. These people are in, these people are out, these people deserve to be here, these people don't. It just seems to be wrong. And speaking from a Judeo-Christian tradition, which says we should welcome the alien in the land, 
and speaking from a spirit-filled church perspective that says the spirit is present with all people, whoever they are without distinction, I do think we have something profound to offer to the world about what it means to be human in a way that includes and doesn't exclude, which brings people in and sees them transformed and renewed by the power of the spirit and not excluded and told they don't belong here. So we are called to share in and participate in the ministry of Christ by the spirit of Christ. One of the ways we do this is by sharing with Christ in what is sometimes called Jesus's priestly ministry. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear the word priest, maybe a shadowy figure from a kind of Da Vinci Code style novel wearing purple and plotting in dark corners. Maybe if you have a background in the Church of England or the Roman Catholic Church, the priest is your minister. For a Jew at the time of the early church, priest meant only one thing. And that was those who were tasked with serving God in the temple in Jerusalem. The priests of Israel had a very specific function. Their job was to mediate between the ordinary people and the presence of the almighty God, who they believed dwelled in the Holy of Holies at the heart of the temple in Jerusalem. So the Jewish priests brought the needs of the people to God in the form of prayers and sacrifices. And then they spoke back to the people God's words of forgiveness and acceptance. For many centuries, the people of Israel had related to their God through the priests who served the Lord in the courts surrounding the Holy of Holies. And the spirit of God was believed to dwell there in that Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant lay containing the stone tablets on which God had carved the Ten Commandments. The Jews believed that ordinary sinful human beings could never have direct access to the Spirit of God. So the priests were the intermediaries, making sure that they were ritually pure, so they could represent the people to God and God to the people. However, the message that Peter proclaimed that first Pentecost was that God no longer lived in the Holy of Holies. Instead of keeping apart from humanity, the message of Pentecost was that God had embraced humanity in the person of Jesus Christ and in doing so had opened in turn a new way for people to relate to God. Before Jesus, the established way of getting a message to God was to give it to a priest and ask him to pass it on. But those who had met Jesus in the flesh, in his earthly ministry, had encountered one who seemed to embody God. They spoke of him as God made flesh, not hidden from them behind curtain or ritual, but available for meals and laughter and conversation. And so to express the immediacy they experienced in Christ, this new access to the divine that Christ embodied. The early church spoke of Jesus as a great high priest. Within the Jewish temple system, it was actually only the high priest himself who could enter the Holy of Holies and then only once a year. But in Jesus, the way to the presence of God had been thrown wide open 
and anyone was free to meet God in Jesus, free to speak with him and to encounter God direct. No longer did people need to go through a hierarchy of priests and high priests before they could encounter the Spirit of God. Rather, the Pentecost message that Peter proclaimed, quoting Joel, was that the Spirit had been poured out on all flesh without distinction. And Jesus' priestly function of mediating God to humanity and humanity to God became at Pentecost part of the ongoing ministry of the Spirit. Just as the church which is gathered by the Spirit shares Jesus' kingly and prophetic ministries, so too by the Spirit it shares his priestly ministry. There is no longer any need for the priesthood in the temple. Instead, the Spirit has created a priesthood of all believers where the fellowship of followers, the gathered spirit-filled body of Christ, have direct access to God because of the high priestly work of Jesus. There is no longer need for sacrifices to be offered, to atone for the sinfulness of the people, because the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross represents the once-for-all sacrifice which does not need to be offered again. And in place of the offering of sacrifices, the church participates in the sacrifice of Jesus. By drinking wine and breaking bread, symbols and signs of the broken body and spilled blood of Jesus. And in a couple of weeks time, we will be sharing communion together for the first time in well over a year in the flesh. We have, of course, been celebrating it online. In place of going into the temple and presenting requests to the priests for them to make them known to the high priest, for him to take them to the Spirit of God once a year, the church itself becomes the priesthood, a priesthood of believers who have the Spirit dwelling amongst them. The Church of Christ presents its requests to Jesus, the great high priest, who takes on the role of interceding on behalf of the church that confesses his name, and within which the Spirit of Christ is found. This is why each week we offer our prayers of intercession here. Together we pray to God with no human intermediary needed, with Christ himself interceding to God on our behalf. And this gives us a clue to a very important principle that as Baptists we hold dear. This is the idea known as the priesthood of all believers. This important principle, the priesthood of all believers, says that the priesthood is all of us together. It doesn't mean it's a priesthood of each of us separately. It's not about me having access to God through Christ, and you having access to God through Christ, and you having access to God through Christ, and so on. It's about us, together, the Church of Christ, sharing together in Christ's priestly ministry. It is when we gather together that the Spirit of Jesus is present in our midst. The priesthood of all believers means that it is when we gather as a church, called and bound by the Spirit it is then that we become the priesthood of all believers. And this is important because it tells us there is no place here for individualism. 
In a world that is so sold on individualism, the Spirit tells us that it's all about community. And so we're back to where we started. It's about all of us, not just the educated or the powerful or the wealthy. It's all about the radical new community that was brought into being that first Pentecost, a community where there is no division because all have received the Spirit equally. It is surely one of the great tragedies of Christian history that the church has so successfully reinvented the systems of priesthood in its attempt to determine who holds power. So much of the Christian church around the world operates out of a system of authority and power which still reflects the hierarchical systems of the Jerusalem priesthood. One of the desires of those who develop the congregational form of church governance that we find in Baptist churches such as this one was they wanted to try and recover that radical vision of the first Pentecost, where the Spirit is poured out on all people. I'm going to keep saying it. There is no need for priestly mediation to represent the people to God, the priesthood of all believers. In a Baptist context, means that it is together as the gathered people of Christ that we have direct access in the Spirit to the will of God. We don't need someone to mediate God's will for us because we believe that together, as we are gathering together in covenant relationship, it is together we share Christ's priestly ministry. Now you might think church meetings sound a bit dull and I'll grant you some of the ones I've been to over the years have been a bit dull, but they don't have to be. In my experience, the church meeting can be the place where the church becomes most true to its calling in Christ. Church meetings, you see, aren't really about voting. They aren't some hangover from the Victorian Trades Union meeting where people address the chair with points of order. The church meeting at its best, the gathering of the members of a local congregation, is the church fulfilling its priestly ministry in the power of the spirit that was given that first Pentecost. You see, church membership and church members meetings really do matter because it is there that we decide what kind of a church we're gonna be. It's there that we discern what it is that God is saying to us as we hear from one another. And it's not down to one individual, it's down to all of us, from the most educated to the least. So, if you're not yet a member of Bloomsbury, why not have a chat with Dawn, have a chat with me, we'll talk about it. We have a couple of people who are already applying for membership, we're going to be bringing their names to the July church meeting. It could be more than two. And whilst I'm at it, we're going to be planning a baptismal service a bit later in the year and taking up the floor and filling the swimming pool with water and doing a baptism. Again, if you have not yet been baptised, maybe this is the time for you to consider that becoming part in a meaningful and committed way of the priestly community that Christ's spirit calls together. And there is no bar. Whoever you are, you can be part of the community of Christ.
Whatever your sexuality, your gender, your ethnicity, your social standing, your education level, the spirit of Christ is poured out equally on all people. This, I firmly believe, is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it is profoundly the message of Pentecost Sunday. So if you hear nothing else, hear this. The spirit of Christ is for you. The community of Christ that the spirit calls is for you. Thanks be to God. Amen. Duncan and Matthew are joining us here in the um, church building. And then we've got Tommaso, who's coming from online. Um, it is lovely to have you here as well with us, Tommaso. Thank you. And just to encourage you to put your thoughts in the chat, I will be asking Simon to share um, once, once we've had a chat up here first. So um, I'm going to go to Duncan first, um, as Matthew did the reading earlier. He's already spoken. Um, what were your thoughts? First thoughts on what Simon shared this morning. Well, thank you, Simon. It was very uplifting. And, uh, you know, it is great that we're able to uh, meet both online and in the church building. I'm very, very appreciative of that. I think there was one thing that struck me when you were talking in the middle about how the spirit of God is poured out on all Christians. And you talked about the sort of unifying aspect of that. I, there's two experiences I've had this week of Christians talking about the Spirit of God, one of which I found very helpful and one of which made me very angry, actually. Um, it's been the festival of contemporary Christian music in church music in Bloomsbury this week, and some of the other churches have been having services and concerts, and they've been amazing. And there was an amazing choir at St Pancras Church earlier this week with songs about the Holy Spirit, very much concentrating on the reflective aspect, the, the still small voice of God, the, the, the representation of the spirit as the dove, very thoughtful. And then a couple of days ago, I was walking up Oxford Street past Oxford Circus, and there's a house church that have taken a big loudspeaker onto Oxford Circus with a very, very aggressive form of evangelism. And they were very much emphasizing how important it was to be baptized in the spirit. And if you weren't baptized in the spirit, you were going to hell. And they were making sure that everybody that got onto the tube had that word hell in their ears. Made me so cross. And I, I just thought, well, this is, in a sense, it's a wonderful gift, but it's also something whose interpretation has divided us and continues to divide us. And what a shame, really. That, that continues to be such a bone of contention between Christians. Thank you, Duncan, for that. I think that's very, very true. Matthew. I was struck by a couple of things. One, I think just the sheer level of exuberance that Simon has that we're back in the church as a congregation again. Um, but also that concept of the priesthood of all believers and how actually over the last year more people are involved in all of our services in some way or other in participating panel chairing etc we've moved on from our older style of service of one minister introducing and leading service one minister speaking and maybe a member of the congregation coming up to do the reading and it's good to hear all of those voices mm -hmm. and to see the diversity of those voices within our congregation and those that want to 
I would encourage you to talk to Simon if you are willing to be one of the people stood up here reading or joining in from wherever to respond to some of the services, the sermons. It is simply a case of volunteering. The other one that struck me with, with regards to the priesthood of all believers is the difference of my experience growing up in a Baptist church and others growing up outside of the Baptists. Um, back in Sunningdale, we used to have a, every other year, Lenten ecumenical set of Bible studies where the churches together in Ascot, Sunningdale, Sunning Hill would get together and mingle their Bible study groups so that we would hear from each other's own different experiences and different traditions. Some years it worked really well. One year I found myself in the group that was being led from the Sacred Heart community by the two local Catholic priests, which was great until I realized that every other member of that Bible study group was part of the Catholic congregations because they had carefully selected which one they were going to put them, which nights they were going to be available for so that they would be in that group. Whenever the Bible study asked a question, every head bar one, mine, and the priests turned to look to the priest for the answer. They had that concept of the authority and the intercessory nature of that role that just felt alien to me and actually I appreciate the fact that within the Baptists everyone has that opportunity and everyone's view and opinion is equal. Thank you Matthew. I'm just going to own and recognise the fact that although we do have an, a diverse group of people who are part of this this morning, we have four white people, three of which are men. <laughs> just going to own that. So they're going to yeah. hold our hands up and say, well, we'll keep working on this. I was glad to see you on the panel, Dawn, as I was sitting over there <laughs> exactly the same. That's great. Um, Tommaso, I'm going to come to you. Do you want to share? Thank you, Dawn. And thank you, Hall. I hope you can hear me reasonably well. What a great honor to be part of this service that marks such an important moment in the life of our congregation. I wish I could be in London with you and I will be delighted to come to Bloomsbury in person as soon as circumstances permit. Um, the sermon made me think about the issue of diversity and what diversity actually means within a church context. We often praise diversity and very many institutions today, both secular and religious, are committed to become more diverse, or at least they pay lip service to the idea. But one thing that strikes me about churches is that they are places in which different people can genuinely interact and build something together. And that's fairly unusual, I suspect, within our society. From a, a secular perspective, a diverse organization is one in which a variety of people 
having different identities broadly defined are recognized, respected, included, and fairly treated as individuals without necessarily uh, developing a strong degree of cooperation or interchange among themselves. But a truly diverse church, as I believe Simon has pointed out in the sermon, um, should go beyond the affirmation of separate individual identities and thrive on a web of relationships and concrete actions that transcend the boundaries and divisions existing outside the church, and including, in my view, the kind of narrow self-centeredness we have all become so accustomed to in our professional lives, our daily lives, careers, and so on. And for this reason, I believe communities like Bloomsbury can be a real antidote, not only to all forms of sectarianism and factionalism based on race, gender, ideology, you name it, but also to narcissism, which is, I'm afraid, one of the big problems we are all grappling with these days. Thank you. Thank you, Tommaso. I just am struck by what all three of you have shared, that, and um, one of the first thoughts that came to my mind listening to Simon was this idea that, well, the spirit is very inclusive. The spirit is there and ready for everyone. The spirit falls on everyone. The problem is not the spirit. The problem is the people. And just all the stories and thoughts and reflections that have been shared this morning are obviously about us or about the community. And I just, I hope that we hear that challenge, that that challenge is yes, God's love, God, God doesn't have the problem about inclusion and, and encompassing all God's love is for everyone. The challenge there has to be for us of like, how are we gonna convey that? How are we gonna share that? What does that look like? What does that look like for us as a community? And I, I have to say, I do disagree a little bit with, I've, it's echoed a little bit, this idea that the church is, seems to be the, this one place where these kind of random group of people get together. A lot of the work that I do in the community and the, the people that I connect with, I see often, and this is a challenge to us, not, a, not a, like an attack. I see often a lot of more diversity and often a lot more love out there in, in communities than I do in the church. And this is not, like I said, it's not a second of Bloomsbury, but like the church in general. I really hope that we hear that challenge this morning, that, that yes, Pentecost has come, the spirit has come, the spirit has fallen on all people. God's love is for everyone, that you are included and the church is for you. And for those of us that are already in the church, do we hear that? Do we hear that challenge? And are we doing absolutely everything we can to make sure that anyone who walks through our doors knows that, that they are welcome here? So I didn't mean to do a little mini sermon there, that was just, it just struck me, it's just like um, listening to what you were all saying. I'm, I'm just wondering if there are any points from the chat that would be good to share. Um, Jeff has uh, put a comment on about the origin of the phrase priesthood of all believers, which he uh, notes rightly was originally an insult that actually the congregational churches took and, and owned and said, actually, you know what, we do do it that way. So that, that was a helpful comment there. Thank you. And I, th I think Solomon's just put a comment in, but I 
can't quite read it at this point. So. Okay. Um, is there anything else anyone would like to share just off the back of that? Anyone here? Anyone in the congregation? Um, I'll just give you the, a couple from the, the chat. Uh, Hazel says the challenge is to make the spirit of Christ visible. We have received all we need. And Solomon says, the message in my view solidifies the importance of the members of the body of Christ, as we do not exist as one if one member of the body is affected or not a part of the body, that the spirit operates in a whole. Thank you, Solomon, that's good. I agree with that a lot. Let's move on. Thank you to Martha, Duncan and Matthew for joining us and sharing with us this morning. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all forevermore. Amen. <laughs>